0: Welcome back to Rams All Access. That was Sean McVay on Monday coming off of the loss and the missed opportunity against Washington at the Coliseum. Uh, He was very critical of himself. He was the first to point the finger back his way at the podium. Even after that loss, I counted eight times in one press conference that he started uh, some kind of comment with, it begins with me. Put yourself in the player's shoes. What do you sense? What do you react to when you hear those kinds of phrases from your head coach?
1: Well, as a broadcaster, I love hearing it um, because I understand where he's coming from. I think the scariest thing a coach ever said to me when I was in college, it was Don James. Mm. Um,
0: Just Just a scary dude to to begin with.
1: Didn't say a lot of words to us, um, but he said we had a bad game. I think we had some guys thrown out, and he looked at the reporter and said, that's my fault, and it will never happen again. And it scared all of us because what was he going to do to teach us a lesson about that? But, you know, taking it for your teammates or taking it for your team, I think, is job number one as a coach. Um, Take it all in yourself because it does start and end with you. But if you're Alec Ogletree, if you're Todd Gurley, if you're Jared Goff, the guys that were out there trying to get the win for you and it didn't happen, what does that say about you that he's – taking the bullets in the media for you. Well, you owe him something. Um, He knows the truth. He may not share the truth with everyone, and he's taken it upon himself. So it just makes you work that much harder as a player, and it makes you trust him a little bit more.
0: I think from Sean's standpoint, the loss was especially frustrating not only because of the chance they had with back-to-back home games and with Washington coming in, a team that he's obviously familiar with, But just because he didn't get ample opportunity. I mean, you watch these college games, and they have 80, 90 snaps offensively. The Rams only got 49. And so for an offensive-minded play-calling head coach to just not have the play sheet in his hand and get enough rips at it, that must have been dissatisfying.
1: Takeaways are are just killers, absolute killers uh, for football, period. But especially for an offense like this that's designed to build and and get more aggressive as the game goes along. Um, Speeding up. Uh, you're wearing out the defense, and when you wear them out, you'll have more chances to uh, you know, make plays down the field in the passing game. So uh, that would be my game plan against get them off the field ASAP and keep them to under 60 plays because in 60 plays, you probably won't get that many repeats. They probably won't have a chance mm. to come back to what hurts you. So, yeah, 49 is not going to be enough, and even with that – you had a chance to win the game.
0: Over 36 minutes of possession in week two for Washington. And you forget how limited the number of opportunities can be in terms of touches and possessions in the National Football League. Yeah. A game can get away from you quickly. Uh, but there was a sense, and Todd Gurley was among the first to point this out with a postgame comments saying last year it would have been a lot different. It would have been 27 3 instead of us as an offense being able to put points on the board and get back to level at 20. Is there such a thing as a moral victory coming out of Sunday's loss to Washington?
1: Um there's something you can take away that, that are positives but there is no moral victory. I mean you you know I mean when you did it feel different to you than Absolutely. The 12 losses last year? Absolutely Let me rephrase that. Then. There was some fight back. Uh there were some great plays that were made on both sides. Um I thought the teams were evenly matched coming in. So whoever played the best was going to win the game and it came I think we said it's going to come down to a field goal. And uh sure enough we were we were just about there. So yeah. Um it didn't feel like last season it's an L. Um, you don't want to say, well, at least we played. Good. We played better than we thought. It's not that sort of team. Um, you talked about the optimism and the expe- expectation to do well and to win. It's still there. It's there in Washington, too. They get paid, too. So uh, tip your hat to them. They played a great game, and the Rams can obviously play better.
0: And despite the lack of opportunity, a good game for Todd Gurley with a couple of touchdowns. 88 yards rushing on just 16 carries. Uh, Most rushing yards in a game for Todd since that dynamic rookie season. Did he find traction? Did he click in week two?
1: He looks like a new guy to me. Um, When you go back and watch any tape from last season, and you could see how frustrated he is. And when you see a guy, a running back, go down on an arm tackle, you can tell he's frustrated. Watch him run now. Um, The daylight is there. He expects daylight to be there, and even if it's not, he knows he can get the ball in other ways. Um, the the stuff that he's doing in the open field, jumping over guys, mm. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I think he's really starting to set you up for some pretty nice games coming up soon.
0: That wasn't the book on Todd. He wasn't supposed to be this uh, dynamic receiving threat with soft hands and great feet in, in open space. I mean, he was a sprinter.
1: I I heard the name is the girdle. They call that the, the, the Todd Gurley is the girdle. Great. Yeah. Can you put that in the broadcast? Maybe? I, Can you work that in? I think I think
0: girdle, I think girdle c- comes with a, a different connotation that maybe we just don't want to be putting in front of our audience on a Thursday night.
1: That kind of changes everything. But right? it is yeah. a really
0: nice amalgam of Todd Gurley and hurdles. I like and, and especially with the uh, the Olympic representatives there on Sunday to that see awesome. Todd uh, doing a couple high hurdles, one that resulted in a touchdown. Uh, but from the defensive standpoint, yeah. if you're the 49ers, are you looking for that?
1: Are you preparing to make sure he doesn't get away with that again? Linebackers and safeties, absolutely. Um, you, you really have to account for him in the passing game too and when they get the ball to him in space. This is why I like the offense because – They manipulate the defense to get the ball to them where they want, and then it's a corner, it's a safety, one-on-one, you on the numbers, and you've got to stop this big freight train coming at you. And, oh, by the way, he can jump over the top. And another thing about 49 offensive plays, go back to the defense too. I don't want to hear about them getting worn out or they were tired at the end. Well, get out on third down. Do better on third down earlier.
0: Don't let them convert the tunnel screen on third and 17 on that first drive. You
1: have your own problems. That also kept your offense Mm. on the bench. So it was a – Total team effort, not just the offense.
0: Uh, before we let Gurley go, on the downside, he did fumble twice, lost one. And that was a, one of those possessions where I remember MJD saying they need at least three first downs on this drive. Instead, they coughed it up, and it resulted in three points for Washington. Was fortunate to recover the other. Uh, but when you go to San Francisco, those are the mistakes that you can ill afford to make.
1: Yeah, but I did like how he responded after putting it on the deck. Um, he, he didn't run, dare I say, scared after He still ran with reckless abandon trying to make things happen. So the thing about guys, when they do put it on the deck and they become fumblers, they change their running style. You know, he didn't change his running style at all.
0: On a fight weekend, boy, Josh Norman really was able to put his fist on the football, right? Both of those fumbles, forced fumbles on Gurley, were a result of him swinging a punch on the football.
1: That was the hardest punch of the weekend. Yes, I'm taking a shot at that fight. Well, you're a, fi- you're a, you're a <laughs> fight
0: guy, so I, I wanted to give you a chance to give us your card if you needed. At to, least somebody or, got or, knocked or down. <laughs> and if you have Todd Gurley in fantasy football, or if you picked him for a bounce back campaign, uh, so far, albeit through two games, you're on track. He's uh, on his way to over 1,850 yards, a thousand of which would be on the ground. Wow! Uh, and you know, 16 rushing touchdowns at this current pace looks good. Eight touchdowns receiving cuz he finally got his first remember right. he said I want a receiving touchdown I want a receiving touchdown now he's got it uh so you're looking good uh there but uh, I kind of I kind of hone in on his post game comments remember last year he was very critical of the offense said that they were not a college offense not a offense. not a high school yeah. offense but a middle school offense it seems like he's come a long way in terms of his confidence not just in his own ability but in the ability of the players around him
1: well I do know when you're out there and you're playing and you can see things on the field and you might go to the sideline with input and say, hey, look, this is what we can do, and that's not being answered. That would frustrate you as a player. To send you back out with the same game plan, knowing it's not going to work, imagine what that must feel like for a running back.
0: All right, division play opens this week with a trip to San Francisco on a Thursday night. We'll go around the division in this episode of Rams All Access to get the latest on the Seahawks and the Cardinals as well. That's as we continue on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. It's a short week and it's early in the schedule. Welcome to week three as we get set for a trip to San Francisco and a game against the 49ers. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long ready for another episode of Rams All Access. All
1: fines rescinded. <laughs> that's, that's our theme for the week. All fines rescinded, yes. Got to be ready to go against Absolutely.
0: the 49ers, and I know you have feelings about this particular franchise, so I start with this, DeMarco. The 49ers are 3-19 and in their last 22 games. Can you name the three wins?
1: Uh, the Rams, the Rams, and the Rams. And how do
0: you think that makes the Rams, who are part of multiple or one of those losses, feel coming into this week? You
1: should be embarrassed, absolutely. You should want some get-back. Um, I can remember all three. Uh, Blaine Gabbard got you in San Francisco um, the to finish out 2015, and then he got you again on – was that – Monday night correct got you on Monday night that was the blowout that the one that we, that he we and
0: Carlos Hyde we ran were all, all shocked over by, yep. and then
1: Kaepernick got you at the end of the year last year so yeah i mean they got you three different ways so and i still don't think even though the 49ers have won the last 3 that they're better than the Rams. The, those teams that beat the Rams are actually better than the, the Rams that, uh, that was on the field that day. So the Rams just need to play their best game against San Francisco and let everything take care of itself. You know, in hindsight,
0: it was kind of strategic last year, as crushing as those losses to San Francisco were – they successfully, the Rams did, kept Miles Garrett out of the division for the foreseeable future.
1: <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Right? you got to find yeah. the silver lining That's in all That's one way this. to look at it. We did call it. We were talking, and we do talk during the break when we're doing the broadcast, about, hey, look, um, if the offense doesn't – this is last season – if the offense doesn't move the ball, Kaepernick is getting warm, and he's getting hot, and he's getting too close to the end zone, and then sure enough, bang, he puts one in there.
0: The good news is Brian Hoyer not nearly as mobile as the two quarterbacks for San Francisco that beat the Rams last
1: year. Yeah, I mean, you can get to him, you can Control him, uh, I think you can control him with the front four if you get um, a a return to Aaron Donaldness out of that defense, um, I think you can c- control him with four guys and not have to sell out to get to the quarterback i mean i 'm sure Wade Phillips is going to bring pressure to get there, uh, but and he will throw you one uh, once he starts getting hit. he will start to change and he 'll start to telegraph his passes and You'll start to see something out of the back end. The DB's making big plays, but you've got to get there, and it starts with 99.
0: You know, before we get to how to fix the run defense, can oh, we go boy. back to Sunday? How sure. surprised were you when you take what the Rams did defensively in week one, then they add the best defensive player on the planet in week two, that Washington, with Cousins and all the threats they have on the perimeter, were able to achieve what they did on the ground.
1: Well, I mean, go back and watch the last game when Donald played against the Washington Redskins. It was the same deal. They just went sideways on him. I mean, you're not going to attack Aaron Donald straight on. You're not going to attack this defense straight on. You're going to make them go sideways. And that's exactly what they did. The first couple that popped, it was just, ooh, this is going to be an all-day sucker. And then they kept happening over and over and over and over again. Uh, You have to give them credit for coming back to plays that worked. Um, And the Rams needed to be a little bit better in their adjustments. A little bit too late in the run game to get it all stuffed up. 224 yards
0: rushing on 36 carries, but this part of it staggered me. The Redskins had 179 before contact. Yeah. Now, one big one by Thompson on that draw where he goes to the house untouched accounted for a good chunk of that. But still, what does it tell you when you're not even getting hands-on guys that late in the game?
1: They're killing you. I'd make T-shirts. I would. I'd put 224 on T-shirts and give them out to my entire team. In the building. Yeah, I'd put it up everywhere just so you wouldn't forget it because it is embarrassing. And I'm sure behind closed doors, uh, every defensive coach on up to Wade Phillips probably let that group have it. That long draw play, I mean – It's one of those things where we talked about this, where all gaps are filled on a blitz. Even if they do draw, all you have to do is stay home, and the ball's going to come to you. Well, what happened was a guy tried to do too much, tried to do somebody else's job, and bang, it's out the back door. And you don't even get a hand on the guy. Now, that's the stuff that makes you not trust your teammate. But you get that all worked out, you still fight back, and you make a game out of it in the fourth quarter.
0: Those T-shirts that you mentioned, they would represent the most rushing yards that the Rams franchise had given up since week 12 of the 2011 season. So it's been a while and not what you would expect from a Wade Phillips defense. That being said, does the quick turnaround now to see Carlos Hyde and a run-oriented, run-dependent offense present a nice opportunity to bounce back and get that taste out of your mouth sooner rather than later?
1: Absolutely. Hyde's a beast. I mean, he's going to bring it. Um, He, just like Todd Gurley, is dynamic, up and over the top. This guy is straight batteram. He's going to come at you and try to, you know, intimidate you, teeth rattling shots. And it's good that you get right back on the horse. You don't have that long to think, and you get to implement your changes immediately, and you get to prove yourself worthy to your teammates. I think that's the biggest deal. A lot of guys that misplays and had mistakes that allowed those long runs, you see it on tape. You're sitting right next to your teammates. You want that next opportunity to prove that you're actually, you know, worth it.
0: You know, they go to Seattle and they rush for 159, 8.4 per carry. That's a, crazy. A lot of it is high. Yeah. And that's with no vertical passing game whatsoever. Hoyer failed to complete a pass more than eight yards past the line of scrimmage on the road in Seattle. And they nearly pulled the upset.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. If you go back to the Harbaugh era 49ers, I mean, they ran the ball with Frank Gore in a similar fashion. They control clock, take air out of the football, and just try to pound the daylights out of you and win the game through attrition. It's going to be the same deal. And if you're looking at the tape of the Rams, if if you don't count on improvement, you think you can run the ball against them. And they're going to. They're going to see that the Rams are going to see exactly what they saw Sunday, on Thursday. Com- just in a different uniform. Everything that hurt you, you're going to see again.
0: And if that's not enough, waiting in week four would be Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott, who erased what he did against Denver or didn't do against Denver. But assuming he is up and ready to run, yeah. you're going to get plenty of opportunity to solve the run game in these next couple of weeks.
1: Look, I- I'm an ex-football player, and um, I-, I won't call him by his name for right now. We don't stand around and watch people return interceptions the other way and just stand there with our hands on our hips. So you're just football player right now. Okay. Yeah, you don't have a name.
0: We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Still ahead on Rams All Access, we'll hear from Coach McVay, get his thoughts on what went wrong in week two and how he plans to fix it as we look ahead to San Francisco. Plus four down territory. We'll get the latest on the injury front and the Niners not scoring a touchdown through two weeks. We don't know what that feels like, right? No. No, that must be odd for those folks (laughs) up in San Francisco to not have a touchdown through two weeks. Uh, Plus, we'll go inside the numbers. This one will will be intriguing as two of the youngest coaches in modern NFL history get together for the first time, the first of many potentially in the NFC West. With DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, this is Rams All-Access preparing for Week 3 in the Niners on ESPN L.A. All right, time for four-down territory here on Rams. All access to Marco Farr, J.B. Long, and we welcome in David Lombardi from The Athletic. He covers the San Francisco 49ers, who have yet to score a touchdown through two weeks. David, uh, thanks for joining us. Has there been any hint of a personnel change, maybe even at quarterback after no touchdowns through two weeks?
2: No, I, I think it's uh, still a little bit too early for that, just because the 49ers have played, I think, two of the best defenses that they'll play this season on their schedule through two weeks in Carolina and Seattle. Um, I'm I'm not saying that Brian Hoyer has been good. He was pretty horrible last week, only 99 passing yards. So I think that's something that if they continue to struggle here against some of the weaker defenses that they'll be playing in the coming weeks, you know, uh, obviously the Rams struggled a bit, I think, against the run uh, this past Sunday. They have the Colts on the schedule coming up. So if Hoyer's struggles really continue, that's when you're going to start to hear C.J. Beathard's name get called up. That was the, the, draft, the draft pick for the 49ers this past off season. He's Kyle Shanahan's kind of quarterback, a, a pro-style guy who runs the play action well. But at, at this point, I think he's still too much of a project for the 49ers. And and, and you have to stick with Hoyer to, to make sure this just wasn't two stifling defenses that the 49ers uh, got stopped by uh, in the first two weeks.
1: David, I try not to listen to what they say, and they told me that Carlos Hyde does not fit this offense. um I think they were wrong uh wh- what do you What do you see out of Carlos Hyde right now
2: well i uh, he, he was awesome on Sunday, and it, i I guess the you know real concern was that he's one of your two twenty to two hundred thirty pound backs trying to run in an outside zone scheme and then you know Kyle Shanahan's scheme requires a lot of speed to be able to burst through those holes get to the outside but Hyde, Hyde's a pretty fast guy too and, and I think that you can make up you know for the lack of 190 200 pound back speed if you're 230 if you have good vision good instincts because you get that first step you surge through the hole uh, more quickly because you could see it so I think that Carlos Hyde is just a talented guy and even though he may not be as fast as Matt Breida who's uh the change of pace guy, you know, you talk to Carlos and he'll say that he's the thunder and, and, and Matt Breida's the lightning for the 49ers rushing attack, so you, you know, even though he, he may not have the same, you know, flat 40 speed as, as Breida does, um, he, he he has the experience, he has the vision, he has the ability to um, hit the holes in that zone, and, and, and I talked to Carlos about this in the preseason when all these questions were, were swirling, and, and he said, you know, people act like I've never run in a zone scheme before, but 49ers actually ran an, an outside zone scheme under Jim Tom Sula. They they ran some zone um, under Chip Kelly. So so this is not new to Carlos Hyde, and and I think that really showed on on Sunday. And you know another huge portion of the running game was the fullback who they signed from the Ravens, Kyle Youchek. He had several huge blocks that really sprung Hyde those big big runs in Seattle.
0: Uh, we all know the big draft day, they trade that they made. They come away with Solomon Thomas, who you and I both followed at Stanford. How is he fitting into the San Francisco defense?
2: Yeah, I just got done writing about Solomon Thomas, actually. He's technically not starting, but he might as well be if you look at the snap counts. In week one, he already played more than Tank Carradine, the guy who he's listed behind a depth chart out at that defensive end position. And then yesterday, Thomas played his best football yet, 48 snaps for him, and, and Tank Carradine, the listed starter, only 21 snaps. So Thomas is getting the bulk of the time. Both he and Carradine have different skill sets, so the 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala tries to mix and match them at that spot. And I think right now Thomas's skill set's becoming so valuable, and you know he, he's, he's developing experience as he goes along, that they have to keep him in at that slot. And I thought that we saw him grow kind of, through trial by fire in Seattle. Early on, there was a fourth and one where Russell Wilson, you know, being the cagey guy that he is, was, uh, you, know, you know, kept the ball on, on a read option and, and Thomas bit on the running back and he came crashing in way too enthusiastic. Wilson burned him, kept the ball, ran for a first down. Later in the game, similar play, Thomas read it right because he was able to, to see Wilson's eyes, he was able to, to diagnose something that Wilson was doing, and he was able to crash correctly in on the running back who got the handoff that time. And he registered his second tackle for loss of his career. Both of them came in that game. So I think that we're seeing Thomas rapidly grow into a veteran right now because, uh, he, you know, it's not easy to, to break in and at the NFL level. There's a lot more nuance that he has to look out for than he did in college.
1: David, with all the injuries, uh, I'm not sure how Navarro Bowman is walking, let alone playing good football. I mean, he's got to be the inspirational leader of that football team.
2: Well, he led the team in tackles on Sunday, and I think on Sundays the first time when we really saw glimpses of Bowman's old self. I'm not saying that he's as explosive as he was before the Achilles injury, and I'm not saying that he's ever going to be as explosive as he was before the Achilles injury, but I think that we're seeing some of that come back. I, I really do. He, the, the 49ers, I don't know, if, I think the Rams were playing at, at the same time on Sunday, so I'm not sure if you guys saw the entirety of that game, but there was a stretch in... That straddled the third and fourth quarters, so late in the third, early in the fourth, where the 49ers grabbed control of that football game. It was 6-6. The defense started making plays. It looked like the the Jim Harbaugh-era defense. And the offense took the ball, and and they had a few big runs. And Pete Carroll, there was a shot of him looking very anxious on the sideline. And uh, the 49ers kicked the field goal, and they took a 9-6 lead. And that's when Seattle ultimately took control of the game. But during that stretch... That stretch was, I think, ignited by Navarro Bowman. He had a huge play on the sideline, reminiscent of the past. Just uh, really went from his inside position all the way out to the perimeter, made a stop in the running game, and and that really seemed to energize the 49ers. So I I think you're right. I would say that uh, his presence there uh, definitely, you know, really spiritually leads this team.
0: David Lombardi from The Athletic, thanks for being our guest on 4 Down Territory, and we'll see you at Levi's on Thursday night.
2: All right, see you guys soon.
0: All right, continuing on here with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long on Rams all-access. Wait, I know their record isn't good. I know offensively they're not impressive, but they continue to draft some studs on defense, and we're both Pac-12 guys. They seem to grab the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year every year in the draft somehow.
1: Why not? Some of the best players come out of the Pac-12. So, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where the 49ers are actually building, and if you believe what they say about Seattle, they may be coming back down to earth and Arizona's – one of the older teams, if not the oldest team in the NFL right now. I would watch out for San Francisco possibly next year. Um, I I like what he said about the quarterback position. Um, It seems like at some point Hoyer is going to give way at that spot. So he's keeping it warm, letting the kid get ready. And then, like you said, the other quarterback fits the Kyle Shanahan type offense. I am really surprised about how well Hyatt is run in this offense, that outside zone. I mean, can you imagine a 230-pound guy that gets loose and – they're blocking safeties in an outside zone scheme, which means a corner is going to have to come up and try to tackle that I in the open field. I
0: remember last year on my board having written down fullback size, running back ability. Yes, and, and that's and how he made demeanor. the Rams. <laughs> yeah, and that's how he made the Rams feel last year. So this is a good test for a, a bounce back opportunity for this Rams defense that could not control. Washington the injury report is something we got to talk about on the San Francisco side because they already have a couple of players including studs on their defense ruled out for Thursday night that more as we continue on Rams all access on ESPN LA all right well as we know Arizona escaped Indianapolis and got its first victory Seattle took care of San Francisco at home to move to one and one and now the Seahawks go to Nashville to face the Titans franchise that a lot of people picked as a sneaky maybe outside Super Bowl shot team out of the AFC Uh, Seattle and Nashville on Sunday. DeMarco, give me a thought on uh, Marcus Mariota
1: going against Russell Wilson. You know, that's going to be a fun matchup. Um, I like Russell Wilson. I like what he does in the pocket. Um, I think he's a better than average passer, or better passer than most people give him credit for. But Mariota is coming along in the same sort of fashion. Um, Doesn't run as often because he doesn't have to. I think he has a better running game. Than Seattle does so you can just turn around And hand it to your running backs and let them do the work But Mariota is really coming along I'm surprised I didn't think he'd be this good In the NFL coming out of that system out of Oregon I really thought it would take him some years To, uh, to become a better Pocket passer but this is going to be one heck Of a matchup um, Seattle's offensive line is struggling I mean, they're absolutely struggling. They can't get anybody blocked up. And remember who's in Tennessee, Jarrell Casey, another guy that can absolutely just wreck your day. So uh, even though Marshawn Lynch ran him over, he can still play ball. (laughs) Those are two really
0: difficult road trips that Seattle's had here in these first three weeks at Green Bay to open, and then you come home and you have to turn around and go back to Nashville to face the Titans, who are going to be amped coming off a road win of their own. The Cardinals host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Now, this is significant for a lot of reasons. One, can Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense bounce back after just an abysmal performance against Denver? But here's the other thing. They're going to Arizona on a Monday night the Rams will be off and watching film and recuperating, getting treatment starting Thursday night when we get home from San Francisco. Week four at Dallas, the Cowboys will be busy until Monday night.
1: Yeah, I would bet that Dallas is going to give it to Arizona. Um, I didn't think that Arizona would actually struggle with Andy. Um, maybe David Johnson means more to them than we know. I mean, I think he's outside of Le'Veon Bell. He, he might be the most versatile back out there. So uh, without him, they look pretty – one-dimensional and pedestrian and struggle to move the football. And they're missing some fights, some some fangs on their defense. So I would bet that a week of being bashed in the media like Dallas is getting right now is going to galvanize them. And I, I think you'll see a true effort out of Dallas coming this week. I don't think you're going to see Dak Prescott put it up 50 times again. And One of the
0: reasons why we thought Sunday was so important is because From now until week 10, the Rams only have one true home game. It's against Seattle. They've got a home game in the division against Arizona, but that's in London, of course. So how is this going to shape up in the NFC West uh, in the early going when we complete kind of the first lap through the West? Because you look at Seattle's schedule at the Titans, home to the Colts, that should be a victory. And then they come here. Could that be a battle for first place? You know, for the first half of the schedule, who sits atop the NFC West
1: if the Rams get the victory yeah,
0: in San Francisco?
1: I expect it to be. I mean, you have to take care of business, like you said, on Thursday, number one. But uh, Seattle knows. I mean, you're not going to sneak up on Seattle. Um, and I don't think it was just all the previous coaching staff that beat Pete Carroll in Seattle. I think it was the players, actually, in uniform that went out there and took it to him. So... Uh, Russell Wilson definitely knows about this defense and they know it's not going to be easy. So I am with you, man. As long as you take care of business in San Fran on Thursday, uh, that's going to be one heck of a matchup. And I like it that uh, I like it in the Rams favor, just based on their offensive line versus this defensive line with, 99 back in uniform. I don't
0: know where you're at making this road trip, but I just I can't wrap my mind around the possibility of losing to the Niners again. I, I cannot fathom that possibility that we could be their next win
1: and their first win of this season once again. I was a part of 17 straight lo- losses to them. I think I lost seven in a row before we actually beat them. So, yeah, that's why it's still 49er week to me. But, look, they had super teams when we lost. I mean, they had Hall of Famers up and down. I mean, there was, to me, you shouldn't have lost last year. Uh, At the end of the year, Blaine Gabbert should never beat you. It was the worst
0: defense in the NFL against the worst offense in the NFL. Period. And
1: Blaine Gabbert and
0: Colin Kaepernick both
1: beat you. Shouldn't have happened. Absolutely not. And probably could have changed a lot of things had you won those games. So it is what it is. And if you're Ogletree, Quinn, the guys that have been here through all those losses, I mean, you should remind these guys, the young guys, if you see any waning focus in practice or on the plane what this is all about mm-hmm. and what this feels like to lose to this team.
0: Uh, in our final segment, I've got an anecdote uh, that I want to share about the 49ers and Sean McVay, uh, plus a matchup against another new head coach who's in his age bracket. And there's uh, an inside-the-numbers tie-in when we wrap up Rams All Access. So we'll break here and come back with one final segment, previewing week three and a trip to San Francisco, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long on ESPN LA. Welcome back to Ramsall Access, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Do you remember the uh, – I'm a man, I'm 40, rant from yes. Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Mike Gundy. How can
1: you forget that?
0: Gundy, who's now sporting a world-class mullet for whatever reason.
1: Gorgeous mullet. I was
0: yeah. in the room that day. You were? I was. No I was kidding. working in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was covering that game. In fact, the, uh, the photographers had me go to the front of the room and hold up the newspaper that Gundy you know, centered his tirade around so that they could all get close-ups of it. Anyways, what does that have to do with Inside the Numbers or this week's uh, 49ers-Rams game? Well, it turns out that Sean McVay will be 31 years and 240 days old when we tee it up and kick it off on Thursday night. Kyle Shanahan will be 37 years of age and 281 days. So neither one of them is 40 years old, even though they're both men. So that was okay. a roundabout way of getting to that. But according to Elias, their combined days on this earth, 25,359, the third fewest for any head coaching matchup in the
1: Super Bowl era. You've got to be kidding me!
0: The only younger matchups were both between the same men, Bill Cower and Dave Shula, in the nineteen ninety two season.
1: Where did you get this,
0: uh, Elias and our friends at ESPN? Do you sleep? <laughs>
1: oh <my gosh>. Wow! <laughs>
0: Thankfully, this was this was all generated for me, and I'm very appreciative you know, of it. But they could,
1: uh, it could be starting a trend.
0: That's the thing yeah. is, it's and I'll tell you my anecdote about Sean in just a second. But if this holds. I mean, I think the Rams feel like they got their first choice, and maybe San Francisco feels like it got its first choice too. But if this is the seed of a young, burgeoning rivalry that brings Rams-Niners back to prominence, all for it. Let's go.
1: I I hope so. I hope we see fireworks. Um, I'm excited for this game. Um, The next one, when you – traditional Sunday game mm-hmm. when you actually have a full week to prepare around um, the holidays around the holidays. That's where it's really going to get nasty. But I mean, I hope we get something started on Thursday. I mean, in a clean way, just a, a good old fashioned slobber knocker of a football game between two teams that don't like each other with, between two coaches that know each other mm. very well. So I think this could be a trend with younger head coaches. Didn't baseball go that way with younger GMs? Yeah, sure, with Theo and company, Andrew Friedman here in Los Angeles. And it kind of caught on if you have success, so both of these teams need to have success for other teams to want to do this.
0: I was with uh, Kevin Demoff at an event last week, and he actually kind of told the story of of how the interviewing process and the hiring process went with Sean McVay. And McVay had an interview still on the books with the 49ers. His grandfather was a legend there, helped to build the dynasties that you were talking about. And so the Rams felt very good about having their man, but they knew that he had – another date on the books and they wanted him to go explore that and feel good about the, you know, the contractual relationship that they're about to enter. But it's, it's like, you know, the girl's the one when you have had a date and she's got another date and you realize that you're sitting at home really worried about how that other date is going. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the sentiment that uh, the Rams relayed in this, in this anecdote that they were convinced that Sean McVay was going to be their guy Because he was dating someone else, at least for the period of an interview and knowing his personal connections to San Francisco, we're legitimately concerned that they were going to lose this coaching candidate to a division rival.
1: See, I would have sabotaged the other date. See, I would have showed up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm pulling up right next to you. Well, <laughs>
0: you've got a daughter who's dating age now, so you're, you're probably more tied into the dating scene than, than I have been in quite some time. I, I didn't hear a word you just said. <laughs> <laughs> we still have to finish this show. I didn't want to take your yeah, mind in, 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 in other there. places. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, Shanahan and McVeigh, two very talented offensive coaches, early returns are, the Rams are ahead offensively of a San Francisco team that hasn't scored a touchdown yet.
1: Yeah, this whole thing we talked about, the build-up to Washington, about the head coaches, they know each other very well. Well, this doesn't end uh, it didn't end with Washington It, it carries over, so they were all on the same staff in Washington, so The same tendencies, the same things you just saw that were used against the Rams Mm -hmm. offensively, you're going to see again. And the same game plan that had some success against the Rams uh, is going to be used again. The 49ers defense, their defensive line is better than what you just saw.
0: The 49ers defense, their defensive line is better than what we just saw from Washington. From
1: Washington. Bigger, stronger, faster. Younger. Younger. Drafted higher. And I think they're, they're going to ascend yeah, in the right. next three years. Yeah. Will they
0: show Jared Goff as much pressure as Washington did on Sunday?
1: I don't, I don't think they will have to because they have some bigs up front that can push the pocket. I think that's going to be their game plan against the likes of a Sammy, uh, Sammy Watkins out there. You're going to have to. I don't think you can go man coverage with their corners against him. I think you're going to actually have to have a plan for Cooper Cup now. I think the secret's out. And if you get a healthy Gerald Everett, That's their biggest issue, in my opinion.
0: All right, so you mentioned some of the pass catchers. Can we finish rapid fire? A few points that I want to touch on and get your thoughts on. Only seven targets through two games for Sammy Watkins. You say what?
1: Uh, That's going to grow. Yeah. Um, I I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to get acclimated to this offense and for Jared Goff to know where he's going to be on his route running.
0: Uh, Cooper Cup leads the team in targets with a dozen. Gurley out of the backfield next with 10. Tavon's role, or lack thereof in this offense, only played 11% of snaps in week one. That grew to 18% in week two. But through two games, six total touches for 26 total yards. Where does Tavon fit in moving
1: forward? He's the punt returner. Every offensive possession starts with him. But, you know, it's going back to what we said about Tavon when he was drafted. Uh, You're going to have to get better at your route running. You're going to have to do it traditionally as a receiver to get more reps in this offense. But which receiver do you take Mm -hmm. off the field?
0: All right, let's jump to defense. Our time is running short. Remember how Aaron Donald left Levi's last year on Monday Night Football? Was he thrown out? Spiked his helmet. Yeah. Do you think he's anxious to get back?
1: How about Spike Hoyer? Yeah, not your helmet. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I want to ask about Alec Ogletree. It looked like one of his roughest days as a Ram. For whatever reason, and I'm sure he was not alone, pro football focus had him graded at under 28 for the game. Uh, in their words, no sugarcoating it. It was a miserable day for Alec Ogletree. Agree or disagree? And where does he go from here? Oh, I
1: agree. I talked to him right after the game. Um, his locker is right next to where we do, where you guys do the coach's interview, and he knows. Uh, I told him to keep his head up. He goes, "I have to be better than that, and I know this, and he's going to work to get better." So, look, everybody, everybody on defense had their fair share of bad plays, not just him.
0: All right, thanks for rolling with me there for some closing thoughts. We invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com rams today to reserve your official ticket travel and VIP tailgate package to the next game. The next game is Thursday night at Levi's in Santa Clara. We will talk to you with pregame coverage during drive time. Enjoy the traffic, enjoy the football, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night. DeMarco, thanks.
1: You got it, man.